Fill Your Cup First is a podcast that bridges a gap between what we know about how important self-care is and practicing it in our real lives. Hosted by Amy Hoke and Kimberly Robago, both busy moms and businesswomen with a background in social work. Fill Your Cup First creates a space for women to move self-care out of the good idea for everyone else category to the great idea for me category and to do it with guilt-free confidence. Welcome to Fill Your Cup First Podcasts, the podcast that puts self-care where it belongs, at the top of your priority list. We're your hosts, Amy Hoke and Kim Robago, and we are so glad you're here with us today. We are so excited today to welcome Dr. Monique Gary. She's a fellowship-trained breast surgical oncologist and medical director of the new Grandview Penn Cancer Network Cancer Program here at Grandview Health in Sellersville, PA. She specializes in benign and malignant breast disease, high-risk genetics, and state-of-the-art, minimally invasive breast surgery approaches. She is passionate about using her expertise to develop programs to address cancer risk and prevention, research and healthcare inequality in and around the greater Philadelphia, Montgomery, and Bucks County areas. And being that it is October and it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we invited her to be here on our podcast, so we're so honored that she's here with us today. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. <laughs> Thanks. So we really want to talk about Breast Cancer Awareness Month and the fact that it typically can be that time where it makes people remember um, not only to celebrate survivors and to think about breast cancer, and but also to go for your mammogram, right? It sometimes serves as a reminder for people. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, Breast Cancer Awareness Month is a great opportunity for us to, everyone wears pink, we do a lot of uh, shopping, and it, it kind of has become this month full of um, making people aware of the need for support for survivors. Um, but also, I think awareness has a lot of uh, different implications. And when we talk about things we aren't aware of, you know, we can look at the areas where we could be more aware. We mm -hmm. could be more aware of what our breast density is what the different types of breast imaging is, you know, mammograms, tomosynthesis, 3D mammograms, MRIs, ultrasounds. We can educate ourselves and be aware of that. We can right. be more aware of our family histories and our risk for breast cancer mm -hmm. and check in with our family members so that we could develop a personal plan for our own level of risk because a lot of the guidelines are for women at average risk. Well, if no one's ever sat down with you and talked about your family history, how do you know what your risk level is? Right, right. So true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And average is sort of blanketed. It's right? true. As far as what is average? Mm -hmm. The average risk for breast cancer is 8 to 12%. It's one in eight. It's mm -hmm. every two minutes. So wow. in a 30-minute wow. podcast, 15 women are diagnosed with breast cancer in the United States. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that's it's a good. That's so yeah. It's that's a really good time to be, you know, aware of those things and take that awareness and 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 mobilize it into action. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And like you said, those other pieces of information on the mammogram, what do they mean? Mm -hmm. You know, most of us just like to see that it's okay and mm -hmm. move on, but to just really understand all those categories too is important. It's true. Um, you know, breast density is a. Um, 
is an area in radiology that we're now required, the radiologists are required to tell us by law what your breast density is. And it relates to the thickness of your breast, not just on texture and on breast mm -hmm. exam. When you go to the doctor and they feel and it's lumpy and they say, oh, you have dense breasts. But it translates into how difficult the picture or the image is to see what's going on as far as tumors and densities. So the more dense your breasts are, um, the more difficult it is to see the picture. Sort of like static on a console TV. Remember, I know I'm dating myself. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, Remember yeah. console TVs, <laughs> yes, right? I do, yeah. Right, uh -huh. so the snow on the TV screen is the density. So people who have category one or um, uh, category A, sometimes they're lettered, sometimes they're numbered. But if you have category one density, that's zero to 25% dense. You can okay. see the picture back there. Mm -hmm. There's some white flecks on the screen, but predominantly you can have a pretty good idea of what's going on in the breast because it's mostly fatty. Uh, category two is 25 to 50% breast density. So that's now a quarter to a half of your screen's got some scattered densities mm -hmm. and it's getting a little bit more difficult to see the picture. Category three density is now 50 to 75%. It is heterogeneously dense breasts. Okay. And the mammogram report may say at the bottom, the sensitivity of mammography is limited for women who have heterogeneously or extremely dense breasts. Okay. Correlate mm -hmm. clinically. It's that little scary line at the bottom that says, we might not be able to see what's going on quite as well because right. your picture's got some more snow on it. Mm -hmm. And then there are some women who have extremely dense breast category four or D, which means that more than three quarters of your screen, greater than 75% of your breast is density. And how it looks to us on imaging, it kind of looks like a snow cone. Mm -hmm. Imagine trying to look through snow cone or cotton candy to see if there's a tumor back there. Mm -hmm. And so what we've devised to help, to help us see better through the density is something called 3D tomosynthesis. These are 3D mammograms, and they're a composite view of nine slices through the breast, equal low-dose radiation through each slice, and then those images are compiled together. So when I look at a mammogram now, I can scroll forwards, I can scroll backwards yeah. through nine different sections of the breast. So if something's there, I no longer see the superimposed image of everything. I can now see layer by layer if something's really there. It's like looking at an olive in a loaf of bread. You see it in more than one slice. Yep, right. And so okay. the tumors jump out, and I, you know, I liken it. I, I try to make things simple for patients, and I say if 2D mammograms are like console TVs, 3D mammograms are like the flat screen LCDs. Mm -hmm. Right. The right. picture quality is that much better. Okay. And it's appropriate for most women, especially if you have dense breasts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that pretty standard now, like throughout? I know it is. We have it here, but is it mm -hmm. throughout? There are still the places. Uh, there are still places that are ordering 2D mammograms, and some patients do have to ask for them. Mm -hmm. Most places are beginning to do 3D as a routine screen uh, screening study. But if you happen to be listening and your doctor has ordered you a two-dimensional or a 2D mammogram, or if you're not sure, it's great to call when you schedule your mammogram and say, is this a 2D or a 3D mammogram? Mm -hmm. okay. And if it's 2D, you may want to think about talking to your doctor about a 3D mammogram. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's great information. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And that's just as simple as just calling and just saying, you know, I'd like to have a little bit more of a discussion about what type of imaging I'm going to be getting. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Every woman should be aware of her breast density and what types of imaging she's getting and what types of imaging she needs. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. up to us as doctors to make sure that we explain that to patients. And I don't know that every doctor does, but every doctor mm -hmm. should. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, this is at least giving our listeners the information that they can ask for that. Absolutely. Yeah, right. yeah we can't take for granted that people know it or that they understand it. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really good leeway into, uh, you know, a lot of people just 
don't really want to know all of it because it's scary and, mm-hmm. and they're afraid of what they are going to find. So I know that I talk to a lot of women who are always afraid of going to get a mammogram because of finding out alone mm-hmm. when they get a letter. So do you have some suggestions on what our listeners or, or you know women can do to help ease that fear a little bit and, and go for your mammogram without worry? Um, I think even for me, because I've, I've got a family history, and when you do, when you know someone with breast cancer, as probably most of us do, or we have family members who've had breast cancer, it's always a little bit scary, and that's okay. You know, courage isn't doing things in the absence of fear. It's doing them when you're afraid and, and doing them anyway. And so there's a couple things I tell patients. Um, one, when it's time for your mammogram, I recommend taking two extra strength Tylenol, you know, about an hour beforehand. Especially if you're worried about pain. If pain's your number one fear, take two Tylenol about an hour before. It takes the edge off. Communicate with your technician and let them know when things are feeling uncomfortable. Um, You can practice breathing. You can practice mental imagery and visualization during the mammogram. It will be over very quickly, I promise you. So that's for people who are worried about the pain. For people who are worried about, you know, whether or not you see something or find something. Well, mammograms find things if there's something there. They detect cancers three to five years faster than a person might feel them, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And so by doing this proactive thing, if there is something found, chances are it's going to be really, really early. And it gives us a chance to intervene so you can get on mm-hmm. with your life. So taking the approach that whatever I have, if there's something, it will be very early, is a great approach to sort of calm your mind. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is I think we have to make it social. We have to take the fear and the stigma out of this day. If we have to take some time from work, if we're going to take an afternoon, bring three, four, or five friends. Find your girlfriends, bring your tribe, even if you only meet them once a year. Call up that sorority sister that you haven't seen in years and say, hey, did you get your mammogram? Yeah. You know, call that friend from high school you haven't seen mm-hmm. since your 20th reunion and say, hey, listen, I'm going for mine. You want to come with or are you going for yours? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then make it social and tie it into some other self-care activity like a manicure or pedicure, you know, or just mm-hmm. time to, to talk with your friends or maybe schedule an appointment with your therapist after that or go get a massage. But if you make it social and if you make it fun, yeah. then it really it, it takes some of the stress and the pressure off. And then, God forbid, if something is found and you need additional imaging, you've already sort of set up your support system. So, you know, if you need an ultrasound, well, your friends are in the waiting room. Or you call your friend and you say, you know what, you got your result, I got mine, i got to go back. And she may say, well, do you need somebody to go with you? Yeah. Because we're in this together. Right. That's such a great suggestion. It is. Yeah, really helpful. And I can imagine being a woman by myself in that waiting room with a group of women coming in and knowing that, Maybe I could tack on to their party a Absolutely, little bit, and maybe right. I won't be alone. Yeah. I, could, I could just become absorbed with what they're going through and, and do it with them. Yep. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Step into yeah, the energy the, into the waiting room. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We, we yeah. have a saying, you know, we, we have to be our sister's keeper, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it holds us accountable because, you know, sometimes we get caught up in our busy lives. I was supposed to get a mammogram a few months ago, and I ended up getting it later, et cetera, because life is busy and, and things mm-hmm. are happening, you know. But if you know that your friends are going to be there and yeah. that people are going to show up, you're more likely to go. So you're accountable now, you know, to yourself and to them, and they're mm-hmm. accountable to and for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's great. That's a great recommendation. Yeah. We wanted to talk a little bit about some of your own self-care strategies. Um, What is the number one challenge you face practicing regular self-care in your own life? 
Oh boy. So funny, uh, funny story. I was at a retreat this weekend in Princeton and they asked me to give a talk on self-care. And it's uh-huh. to an organization that um, helps to, um, to, uh, enact, in, in, to enact legislation for bullying. Uh, they go into schools where kids are being wow. bullied. They help to um, find workplace areas where there's bullying, and they, they provide tools and resources and training, et cetera. And they asked me to talk about self-care, and I said, this is one of the hardest topics to talk about <laughs> yeah. because, you know, the hardest thing for me, the biggest challenge is in acknowledging that I need routine self-care. Mm. Uh, you know, it's it's a little bit easier when you recognize that your cup is getting full. And, and I asked everybody in the group to do an exercise of what are your triggers? How do you know when your cup's getting full? Mm-hmm. And what do you do before it overflows? Mm-hmm. And so it, it forced yeah. me to really introspect and think about, you know, how do I know? What do I do when my cup's getting full and how do I recognize it? Yeah. And then recognizing that there is a need, I think, for sort of a more routine kind of program for myself yeah you know like a proactive approach exactly yeah there had been a time when I was probably a more active musician and I loved playing the piano and so I have a piano and I need to get it tuned and mm-hmm. for me when my cup's overflowing it looks like sitting down at my piano and playing a few tunes yeah it looks mm-hmm. like having a cup of tea nightly because I, I really like tea leaves and I like to make different blends and I've kind of gotten mm-hmm. into that and so you know instead of just waiting until I'm really stressed out guess what every night I'm gonna take five minutes and I'm gonna make my cup of tea and I'm gonna sit there and decompress before I I fall asleep at night and I'm going to picture a better day if I had a, a, a rough day yeah I'm going to envision that the day tomorrow will be better mm-hmm. and, it, and it isn't always knowing what the day will hold but I know how I want to feel right and I focus mm-hmm. yeah. a lot on that I want to feel good tomorrow I want to be mm-hmm. optimistic at work even if everybody else is having a bad day people have colds and flus it's cold and flu season everywhere right. I want to feel well Mm-hmm. you know yeah. and, and taking mm-hmm. that time for myself and so giving that talk this weekend really kind of helped me identify some gaps in my own self-care routines mm-hmm. um, but it forced me to identify some of my triggers and I think that's something that every listener could probably benefit from you yeah. know at the end of this uh, podcast if you sat down and thought about you know how do you know when your cup's getting full what are the signs or symptoms yeah. what are the triggers mm-hmm. You know, when do you recognize mm-hmm. it? And mm-hmm. jot down some of those so that when you see it happening, you'll be able to recognize it in real time instead of snapping at your kid or right. having a really bad day or taking it out on the traffic patterns or, you yeah. know, how we, yeah. we kind of, yeah. we wait until we're up to here and we're treading right. water, but there's some signs and some symptoms. And so mm-hmm. if we were identifying those and then maybe jot down three things that you do or three things you could do, three things you would do yeah, to mm-hmm. combat that feeling of burnout. Right. Because that's ultimately what it leads to. Burnout at work, burnout at home, burnout in our relationships, and it makes us shut down, and that's a really negative feedback loop. Definitely, yeah. 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 And it affects our our health. Oh, yeah. The effects of stress on the body. You're, they show up, right? Absolutely yeah. right. So, yeah. so there's a gene, um, I'm sorry, there's, there's a hormone called cortisol, which is the stress hormone. And when our bodies are in uh, extended periods of stress, cortisol is supposed to help us fight or flight things, you know? So mm-hmm. when we come up on a stressful situation, our bodies are designed to do something quickly for our survival or to run away for our survival. And mm-hmm. sometimes we have a reptilian response where we just freeze. 
right? We yeah. don't do anything. Mm -hmm. So those yeah. are kind of the three responses. But the hormone that helps our bodies to get in that fight or flight mode, one of them in particular is cortisol. Cortisol makes us have increased uh, glucose resistance, so now our bodies aren't utilizing the sugar as well. Mm -hmm. So we're almost in a diabetic state. Mm -hmm. We're not sleeping very well. When we don't sleep well, we lose years from our life. Our life expectancy goes down. Our wow. cells begin to make mistakes. Our bodies have lots of inflammation that builds up as a result mm -hmm. of getting mm -hmm. poor rest, and we make mm -hmm. cellular mistakes. And um, and ultimately, you know, we start to store our food for energy instead of burning it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you look at a loaf of bread and guess what? You put on three pounds because you're stressed out and your body's storing up energy because it thinks we're getting ready to fight something. Yeah. yeah. Even though you're just fighting your daily to-dos, you know? Mm -hmm. And so this is why people who have anxiety and people who have high levels of stress have really got to find a way to, um, to manage that stress. I, I tell my patients with early breast cancer, stress will kill you faster than stage one breast cancer will. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's responsible for heart attacks, heart disease, cancers are related to stress, so many illnesses in the body, autoimmune diseases, mm -hmm. because yeah. our bodies are fighting the only thing it knows to fight, and that's ourselves. Right, right. right. Mm -hmm. That right. chronic, long-term stress is so... Yeah. Such a huge negative impact on us, mm -hmm. mind and body. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and we don't want to fight life. Right. Mm -hmm. We want to live life. Absolutely. And really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And self-care looks different for everybody. You know, mm -hmm. where some people are, are great at a spin class, other people need to go to yoga. Some people can't go to yoga because they can't quiet their thoughts and they need to, you yeah. know, go do something else. They need to go do acts or they need to go for a run. They need to be around people. Right. And so figuring out where, where the best places are and what the best things are to do to help yourself refuel and to help yeah. yourself de-stress is a really important part of self-care. That introspection probably comes first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and Kim and I talk about this a lot on the podcast, we have our go-to, you know, say three on the list that we can go to. But if you have a day where you didn't get there, to give yourself a break. There's always tomorrow. And just like having that awareness mm -hmm. that you need it keeps it in the forefront and you're more likely to do something tomorrow mm -hmm. or do something even small Absolutely. once a day, you know, until you start building that up into more of a habit. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. true. And if you're like me and you, you know, maybe kind of let things fall a little bit by the wayside, then maybe you need an accountability buddy. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's somebody that you have to call twice a <laughs> week and say, how are we doing with stress and self-care? Yeah. What are you doing for yourself? Yeah. And if they haven't done anything and say, okay, well, what's your plan by the end of the week? And then circle back with that person and that person mm -hmm. might do the same thing for you right. because then you know they're going to call and they're going to yeah. ask yep. you and it puts yep. it on the radar because you're thinking about them and not even thinking about yourself, but they're thinking about you. Right. Mm -hmm. And being responsible for each other's welfare yeah. is a great way to enforce some new habits that you might be trying to form. Definitely. Mm -hmm. That's another great tip. It's mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you and so for much great for insight. having me. Yeah. This is this is a wonderful podcast, and it's so important. You know, cancer is a horrible disease, but it helps patients to really clarify what's important in life. It helps them to remember to put themselves first yeah. in a way that they maybe never have throughout their entire lives. Mm -hmm. yes. You know, it clarifies everything that's important. Right. And what's most important at that time is you. And, you know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month is a great time to be aware of the most important thing, which is your own self-care. Mm -hmm. Whether it's your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health, all of those things combined are things that you can be aware of right. and things that you can put into action all year long, not just in October. Right. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again for joining us, Dr. Gary. It was a pleasure seeing you and talking with you. 
Thank you for joining us to our audience and remember to fill your cup first because you deserve it. Amy and I appreciate you listening. Please rate, review, and share Fill Your Cup First podcast with a friend. Also remember, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Fill Your Cup First podcast. We appreciate you listening.